thank you all for coming out tonight to support them. My name is Rochelle. I work with the Metabolic Studio, who is presenting and producing this whole summer-long series of lost radio plays. And I wanted to tell you a few things before we get started tonight. Um, First is please turn off all your cell phones. We are recording and we are broadcasting this production live on the, on the internet at kppglive.org, also locally at 89.9 FM, so please silence your phones. And I wanted to let you know that the Man Against the Mountain play was actually brought to us by John Klusmeyer of the Eastern California Museum. John. And it is actually a lost radio play. It does not exist in script form on the internet or in a recording. It was donated to the Eastern California Museum by Gustav Marsh's family in a box, along with a compass, some newspapers, uh, on the 100th anniversary of the building of the Mount Whitney Trail. So that is the provenance of this radio play, and the work can now be seen as one in the collection of the Metabolic Studios Lost Archives that we've been preserving and presenting and, and uh, producing. So thank you all for coming tonight. Um, the Cavalcade of America, an interesting thing is that it was a radio series that was on NBC Radio, and DuPont actually produced this series because they wanted to present and share the details of American history, but they also wanted to quell criticism of DuPont after profiteering from the sale of gunpowder during World War II. So the Cavalcade of America radio series documented historical events using stories of individual courage, initiative, and achievement, often with feel-good dramatizations of the human spirit's triumph against all odds. The dramas emphasize humanitarian progress, particularly improvements in the lives of women, often through innovation, like rat poisoning, household chemicals, <laughs> cellulose sponges, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> so also one other thing I wanted to mention tonight, you are eating bread that was actually baked on Friday by Jane McDonald in the IOU garden next door in the stove that was actually made by dust bricks from the Owens Dry Lake bread. She bakes that bread every Friday. The dip that you are dipping your bread into was made by Julie Fote. Julie, who harvested all the herbs and the kale and the garlic and the spinach all from the garden and made that beautiful dip. So thanks to all of you for coming. Thank you, Owens Valley. Thank you, Lauren Bond in the Metabolic Studio. And without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, we present to you the IOU Theater, and we go live in five, four, three, two, one. Late one night when the wind was still, Daddy bought the baby to the windowsill See a bit of heaven shoot across the sky The one and only time Daddy saw it fly Well, it came from the east just as bright as a torch Neighbors had a party on their porch Daddy rocked the baby, mother said amen when Hallie came to visit in 1910 
Now back then, Lumpen was a real small town. It's not every time that karma comes around. It was almost 80 years since its last time through. I bet your mother would have said amen too. As its tail stretched out like a stardust streak, papers wrote about it every day for a week. They wondered where it's going and where it's been. When Hallie came to Lone Pine in 1910. When Hallie came to Lone Pine in 1910. When Hallie came to Lone Pine in 1910. You are listening to KPPG Live at 89.9 FM in the Owens Valley. Brought to you by Metabolic Studio. The IOU Theater of Lone Pine, California broadcasts monthly from Owens Lake Be Gone at the historic Double L Saloon. For 100 years, Owens Valley has been tapped and tapped and tapped to make the city of Los Angeles possible. From LA to the Owens Valley, we know we owe you. As an act of reconciliation from L.A., we offer you the IOU Theater and the IOU Garden, a community resource center growing on DW land since 2011. The IOU Garden features Owen's Dry Lake Bread, turning dry lake dust into stoves, into loaves. Stop by the IOU Garden and sign up for your bread shares today. The Metabolic Soil Project, turning capital into dirt since 2010. We spread the best dirt all around town. <laughs> and a locally grown farmer's market on alternating Fridays. 100 conversations about water series, leaking the latest news on water issues in the valley and beyond. IOU Theater is powered by jitters from IOU Espresso, served in the IOU Garden before every show. And now we bring you tonight's program, Man Against the Mountain. Tonight, the DuPont Company brings you Man Against the Mountain, starring Chester Morris on the Cavalcade of America. But first, here is Gain Whitman. Chemical science has provided N-N-2-A-N-T-U a better poison for the common rat. A few ten thousandths of an ounce will kill a rat. Rat poisons containing N-N-2 are therefore more effective and easy to use. Your dealer or hat can readily secure for you a reputable brand containing Antu, which gives good results as a bait or as a tracking poison. Bear in mind, of course, it is a poison, and pets and animals should be kept away from it. If you would like a free copy of a 12-page illustrated booklet, How to Get Rid of Rats, write to the DuPont Company, Department A, Wilmington, Delaware. Antu is one of the DuPont Company's better things for better living through chemistry. 
And now, Chester Morris as Gustav Marsh in Man Against the Mountain on the DuPont Cavalcade of America. Oh, Elizabeth, did your husband go up that mountain alone? No, Aunt Hitty. Gus took a ranger and a photographer with him. Well, he better be getting back. There's another one of them strooms brewing up there. When Whitney's in that mood, it ain't safe. Aunt Hitty, you talk as though the mountain were alive. Mountains don't have moods. Whitney does. It's vicious, I tell you, Elizabeth. It ain't just a mountain, it's a devil. Killed my own husband. Caught him in avalanche at a time of year when there ain't avalanches. And my man wasn't the only one. I tell you, Elizabeth, if Gustav keeps going up that mountain, sooner or later, it'll get him. Fire on the mountain, lightning in the air. Gold in them hills, and it's waiting for me there. Man against the In the little village of Lone Pine, California, dusk comes unnaturally early, for directly to the west, rearing itself almost 15,000 feet against the sky, is the towering bulk of Mount Whitney, highest peak in the United States. Because of its avalanches and fierce electrical storms which swept down from its peak to engulf them, the villagers of Lone Pine regarded Mount Whitney as a malignant force bent on their destruction. Then, in August 1903, Gustav Marsh, a newcomer to Lone Pine, who had no superstitious fear of the mountain, set out to conquer it. Elizabeth! Gus! Oh, Gus! Darling, I'm so glad you're back! Oh, hello, darling. How are you? How's the baby? Fine. Everything's fine now that you're back. You just got here in the nick of time, Gustav. The storm's going to hit here any minute. We've been racing it all the way down. Tell me, Gus. I found what I was looking for. Are you sure? Positive. Now we can go ahead and make that mountain earn its keep. What in heaven's name are you talking about, Gus? What am I always talking about, Aunt... Mount Whitney! <laughs> I'm going to put that mountain to work, Aunt Hitty. Oh, oh dear, don't talk like that, Gus. The mountain will kill you, sure. Well... Maybe it will, Aunt Hitty, but if it kills me, there'll be others to push the job through. Order! Order! That's better. Now, I don't know the reason for this town meeting any more than you do. Gus Marsh asked me to call it, and Gus will have to do the explaining. Okay, Gus. She's all yours. Thanks, Bert. I didn't give you folks much notice about this meeting tonight. Uh, I couldn't. If we're going to do what I, I hope you'll agree to do, well, we'll have to start work right away. What is it? What you got in mind, Gus? Yeah, what are you thinking about? Building a trail up the east slope of Mount Whitney. A trail up the east slope? How far up? Well, all the way. Clear to the top. That's impossible. No dice. Nobody's ever reached the top from that side. Oh, it can be done. Ed Cross and Fred Spears will, will bear me out on that. 
They went along with me on this last trip. We climbed to 13,000 feet, took pictures, drew maps, and, and found a way to reach the summit from the east slope. After you get up there, what good will it do you? Well, I was coming to that. I want to put... Mount Whitney to work. Uh, useful work. <laughs> you stayed up on that mountain too long, Gus. Make a mountain work? No, wait a minute, boys. If we build a trail up the east slope, uh, the kind of trail I have in mind, one that can be traveled safely by, by men who aren't mountaineers, Mount Whitney will work for us. You mean it'll draw tourists? Well, it may. But I was thinking of scientists. Scientists? Yes. Whitney's the highest spot in the United States. The best place in the country for scientists to study the atmosphere, observe for the stars, and then carry on experiments. <laughs> Can't you just see some long-haired college professor lugging a telescope up? Mount Whitney? <laughs> he wouldn't have to, my friend, if there was an observatory up there. An observatory? What do you mean? Well, that's my dream. An observatory equipped with all the latest scientific apparatus atop Mount Whitney. Scientific apparatus? But the first step is a trail. Be a son of a gun of a yeah, job, wouldn't it? Sure. To build that kind of trail you're talking about? Yeah. Well, there won't be any picnic. That cost a lot of money, too. Mm -hmm. And what would Lone Pine get out of it? Yeah. Well, if tourists did start coming here, we'd, we'd all profit from it, and we'd all have the satisfaction of having given something to the country, something that no other village, no other group of men and women could give. That ain't enough for me. Quiet, Jerry! How much you think it'd take to build that trail, Gus? Well, I don't know, Tom. But if we all go into this together, whatever it takes, we can raise it. Well, I'll start you off with five dollars. You can put me down for five, too. There's over 300 people in Lone Pine. If each of them donated five dollars, it wouldn't be a drop in the bucket. I told you to shut up. Now shut up or get out. Oh, let him alone, Tom. He's right. Oh, I guess you got a point there. There isn't enough money in Lone Pine to pay for building that trail. We'll have to build it ourselves. Hack it out of the mountain with, with our own sweat and blood. Uh, think it over. But think fast, because this is August, and we have only a few weeks to work. Hey, there's Bert with the pack train, Elizabeth. I have to be getting back up the mountain. Are the men still as enthusiastic about building the trail, Gus? <laughs> You'd think it was their idea. A, a few more days, a, a week at the most, and we should be at the top. Well, don't start boasting now, Gustav. <laughs> you afraid the mountain will hear me, Aunt Hitty? The trail ain't finished with you yet. Uh, don't be too sure. 
The man had only a few more hundred feet to go when I left him to come down here. Yes, well, I've told you before, there are still things that could happen. Oh, Aunt Hitty, stop it. The mountain's been warning you ever since you started work. That blizzard, they come early and almost snowed you in. Them rock slides out of nowhere, men took sick mysteriously. That was the altitude. Running out of money? We've always managed to get more, a, a little at a time, and, and I'm sure we've enough now to see us through. <laughs> Sorry, seems to me you made a contribution to the work yourself, didn't you, Aunt Hitty? Well, I didn't want to be the only person in Lone Pine who held out. It's been wonderful, and, and the way everybody's helped, the women with their box socials and cake sales. They'll all be waiting for the news. Well, just keep watching the mountaintop. Are you going to signal us? Well, we've got huge bonfires ready, and I'm taking up fireworks this trip and dynamite. Enough to blow the top off the mountain. Oh, Gus, my goodness, be careful. Somebody could get blow to kingdom come. Oh, I'll handle it myself. Oh, Gus, be careful. Oh, don't worry, I will. And when the trail's finished, everybody in Lone Pine and, and up and down the Owens Valley is going to know we made it. Yeah, yeah, but the dynamite could start an avalanche and then they'll really know you did something. We'll be on top. I know, but I don't trust you, Gustav, and that mountain I certainly don't trust. You're certainly doing your best to scare me, Aunt Hitty. It ain't that, Gus. It's just that I know the mountain, and there ain't any man set himself against that mountain yet and come off a winner. Hey, Gus, it's time we were starting. Be right with you. Goodbye, Elizabeth. Take care of yourself and don't let Aunt Hitty frighten you. Oh, darling, I'll try not to, Gus. And do be careful. <laughs> Of the trail. Why are you looking so worried? I can't hear the men working. Uh, of course, they, they may have knocked off for a rest. <laughs> it ain't mealtime yet. S say, you suppose something's happened? I don't know. Um, hurry those mules along, Bert. They're the boys now, Tom. Uh, Oscar, well, what's up? We are, Gus. Darn near! You've reached the top? There's only about half hours more work, Gus. We'd figure as long as this trail was your idea, you ought to be in an at finish. Well, well, I'm here now, boys. Let's go. Finished. Thanks for waiting for me. Of course. Yeah, well, what else are we going to do, really? Did you bring Colin? It gives me kind of a queer feeling in my stomach. Me too. I ought to feel like, like cheering. But instead, I feel like, well, I feel like 
crying. <laughs> Not me. Let's get on with the celebration, Gus. Just as soon as we plant the flag, Bert. What? Sure. You know any better place to fly the flag than from the top of the United States? Yeah, uh, yeah, right idea. Almost like game on top of the world. What? There's a storm brewing, Gus. We want to single the folks down Lone Pine. Better hurry up. Uh, uh, all right, uh, get the rockets ready, boys, and and the dynamite. All right, they're all set, ready to touch off. Bonfire's lighted. Boy, look at that pitch pine burn, will ya? Folks down below St. Whitney's turned into a volcano. <laughs> Hurry up. That storm's coming quicker than we thought. Look at that lightning. Trying to compete with our fireworks, eh? And our dynamite. And the powder. Okay, here they go. Wait a second. All right, it looks like the worst is over. Look, lying there on the ground. Who is it? It's first survey. Come on, let's see what's the matter with them. Wait, I'll go look. I'll, I'll see. I'll see if he's. Is he dead? Yeah. Poor Bert. Must have been killed instantly. Man against the mountain. Never knew what you. And we thought we'd won. I'll make a stretcher, boys, and we'll we'll carry him down. Down the trail. The death of Bert Survey increased the superstitious dread of Mount Whitney, and again, Gustav Marsh had to inspire the people with enough courage and faith to continue work on the trail, always urging them on towards the goal of building an observatory at the summit. It is now the autumn of 1907, and the great crest of Whitney is still bare except for the mounds of stones that hold the names of men who have climbed the mountain for adventure only. From his house in Lone Pine, 
Marsh stares up at the summit, more than two miles above him, as he talks with his wife. Another summer gone, Elizabeth. Still no further progress. Gustav, don't be discouraged. I'm not. Really? Sometimes I... I can't help wondering if... Somewhere in this country, there must be men with the necessary vision and the brains and the money. Oh, I'm sure there are. I just knew how to get in touch with them. Oh, Gustav, get in touch with who? Oh, hello, Aunt Hitty. Who are you trying to locate? Someone who will make our dreams come true. The observatory on Mount Whitney. You ain't still thinking about getting a telescope up there, are you? I am. Well, you might as well give up the idea, Gustav, because it can never be done. On some mountains, maybe, but not on Whitney. How do you know? Nobody's ever tried. Oh, yes, they have. Who did? When? Oh, it was a long time ago before you ever came here. Oh, let's see, around 1880 when I was just a girl. Some men from Washington came out here with the big telescope. Got a bunch of soldiers to look it up the mountain. The West Slope, of course. They got part way, then they come to a 200-foot precipice, I think, and, and so I heard that they turned around and went back. Some men from Washington, you say? Oh, yeah, from from the, what do you, uh, I forgot, what do you call it, the Smith, uh, Smith, the Smithsonian Institution? Oh, oh I, I believe that's it. The Smithsonian Institution? Of course! Aunt Hitty, I think you've given me the answer. I'll write them tonight. Well, gentlemen, I hope you feel repaid for your climb. You say the summit is always clear of snow like this, Mr. Mark? Oh, the year round, Dr. Abbott. Amazing at almost 15,000 feet. Yeah, the wind keeps it swept bare, even in the dead of winter. Hey, you don't think the wind would blow the observatory itself off, do you? Don't worry, sir. We, we guarantee to anchor it firmly to the mountain if the Smithsonian ever decided to build one here. There's no if about it, my friend. The matter has already been decided. What's your decision? My colleagues and I are strongly impressed with what we found here, Mr. Marsh. There's no doubt about it. This mountaintop offers unique conditions for scientific observation and research. You couldn't duplicate them anywhere. We're sending our findings on to Washington as soon as, <laughs> as, soon as we get down to Earth again, recommending that the Smithsonian Institution ask for funds for the building of an astronomical station on the summit of Mount Whitney. That's wonderful, Dr. Abbott. Immediately after that, we'll have a plan drawn up and see about getting bids from builders. Uh, uh, I could tell you right now, sir, whatever anyone else may bid, I'll underbid them. You're eager for this contract, aren't you, Mr. Marsh? Well, I started this, Dr. Abbott, and I'd like to finish it. If, if it's the last thing I ever do, I want the job of building the observatory here on Whitney. You realize the difficulties, I'm sure. Oh, I ought to. I've been up and down this trail more than any other living man, I guess. In the condition the trail's in now, I'd say that was impossible. Uh, I, I agree with you, Professor, but the trail can't be re repaired. I'll, 
I'll guarantee it. There's one more stipulation, Mr. Marsh, perhaps the most important of all, the matter of time. Yes? The observatory must be completed and ready for use by September 1st of next year. September 1st? Not a day later. There are conditions which will exist on that date, you see, astronomical conditions, which won't occur again for 13 years. We'll want to take advantage of them to make observations from here. I understand. If you could meet this deadline. I can't, sir. You sound very confident, Mr. Marsh. <laughs> when, when a man wants something as much as I've wanted this, he, he has to try. I'll have the station ready, gentlemen, by, by September 1st of next year. listening to Chester Morris as Gustav Marsh in Man Against the Mountain on the Cavalcade of America, sponsored by the DuPont Company, maker of better things for better living through chemistry. And now a word from our local sponsors. I'd like to introduce our listeners to Saline Valley Salt, white gold from the deep, desolate heart of Death Valley. This salt of unsurpassed purity and utility, which can grace the tables of the finest restaurants in Lone Pine, San Francisco, and Los Angeles, or can be used for a wide number of industrial and mechanical purposes. Saline Valley Salt, Inyo County's white gold, is carried from the scorching saline salt flats over towering mountains via a stunning tramway that is an amazing engineering marvel. This unique tramway makes Saline Valley Salt a highly cost-effective and competitive product. And that makes Saline Valley Salt Company a very attractive investment opportunity. Contact Saline Valley Salt Company President White Smith to learn how you too can cash in on Inyo County's white gold, Saline Valley Salt. Just take a look around you, at home or at work, and you'll see that we're living in a new age, the age of electricity. This new source of modern power turns black night's light and makes machinery one run, whir, and hum. The Nevada California Power Company, headquartered in beautiful Bishop, California, is on the cutting edge of this new age of electricity thanks to modern hydroelectric power plants running all day, every day, in the Bishop Creek Valley. These modern marvels convert the surging waters of the Sierra Nevada into useful, powerful, and affordable electricity that lights up your world. The California Nevada Power Company, leading the way into the age of electricity. The people of Lone Pine, California were afraid of Mount Whitney until Gustav Marsh overcame their superstitions and persuaded them to build, with their own hands, a trail up the hitherto unscaled eastern slope of the mountain. 
with the trail completed. Gustav was forced to mark time for three years until the representatives of the Smithsonian Institution traveled out to Mount Whitney and inspected the site on which he proposed to build an observatory. When they accepted his site and his bid for the building of the observatory, he was elated. But now that the first flush of excitement had passed, Gustav realizes the tremendous difficulty still to be faced and conquered. <sighs> Maybe I was crazy, Elizabeth. Crazy to say I could do it. You've got a year. I've got exactly two months. Till next September? Two working months. It'll be next July before we can tackle the trail. I mean, up above the timber line. And if you could see the shape it's in. Very bad? It'll have to be entirely rebuilt. In some places, it widened. Oh, the whole way up. That's a season's work in itself. If you put enough men to work on it, hire a big crew. Oh, I would. If I had the money. Won't the Smithsonian help you? The Smithsonian is financing the observatory. But the work on the trail, that's my responsibility. That was the agreement. Oh. Two months. Sixty days. The folks of Lone Pine turned to and helped before. Perhaps they'll help again. After what happened to Bert's survey? They're, they're more superstitious than ever about that mountain. It's their mountain, though, Gus. Don't forget that. The biggest, the most important thing in their lives. Call them together and tell them what you've undertaken, and I'm sure they'll back you up. Elizabeth Marsh was right. When Gustav took his problem to the people of Lone Pine, they backed him again, and the work began. But just as before, the mountain was against them. Avalanches. Snow drifts. Fatiguing altitude. Snow blindness. I can't see. All nature seemed united in an effort to defeat Gustav Marsh in his battle against the mountain. Then, on August 15, 1909, with the trail completed and the astronomical station half erected, Mount Whitney struck its final crushing blow. Hey, there's a storm coming. It's gonna be a beaut too. Look at that lightning. All right, boys, grab up those tools and get in the shelter. Shelter, nothing. I'm getting down off this mountain. Me too. After what happened to bird survey, you aren't catching me staying up here. Who's going to be the victim this time? 
Not me, by gosh. Not me. deserted him. The whole bunch of you. When he needed you most, you cowards, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. But that storm was coming at us both barrels, Aunt Hitty. Man's got his own life to think of, after all. You know how that mountain can act. Ah, yes, but it's how you act that matters. How you stand up to it. But... Uh... If that job ain't done up there, if that observatory ain't finished in time, Two weeks from now, you realize what it's going to mean? Well, uh, I... It ain't just Gustav Marsh who will lose out. It's all of us. Every man, woman, and child in this town. Putting that trail up there, having a hand in building that observatory, is the biggest thing Lone Pine has ever done. And you're doing your best to spoil that chance, throwing away all our work and all our money. Can't hit it. I thought you was the one who was afraid of the mountain. Ah, not anymore. I ain't. I'm afraid of you. I'm too mad to be afraid of anything, except that you won't get that job done. So get up there. All of you, go on back and make up for lost time. It ain't all, if it all re ready, too late. Get up there and help Gustav. Fireproof. And earthquake proof. Those were the specifications, and it looks as though we filled them. I guess there's nothing you've overlooked, Gus. Except the payroll. <laughs> You'll get that. Look, you don't owe us anything. Not one red cent. What about these last 10 days that you've worked? We're giving you those make up for the time we walked out on you. Gosh, I'll never forget how I felt coming back and finding you working up here single-handed. Well, you came back. And that's all that matters. <laughs> Here's Louise with the pack train. Hi, Louise. Say, who do you think I passed coming up the trail? Who? Them fellers from the Smithsonian. A whole party of them. Telescope and all. Where are they? They're camping at Pine Lake, 5,000 feet below us overnight. They'll be here at the summit tomorrow. Well, let them come. It's We're all done. For them. It's all done? The Mount Whitney Astronomical Station is finished, 
and 24 hours ahead of time, too. Glow Lake! <laughs> oh my, it seems to me I ain't seen your garden look so lovely in years as it does this summer, Gustav. This is the first summer he's had any time to devote to it. He's been so busy up to now on the mountain. Well, we get a great many visitors now, but I let the town boys take them up. Yes, it does seem them old sleepy days are over. Oh, and a good thing, too. What? Well, time this valley did wake up, become a part of the world. We've got something to offer we do that nobody else has got. And we got to realize it. The mountain? Of course the mountain. I don't mean just for scientists who are carrying on experiences, but the plain folks and the others who've come here, folks who want to climb and, and hunt and fish. You're right, Aunt Hitty. This is the place for them to take off from, to get themselves outfitted and find themselves guides. The boys at Lone Pine, Lord knows they know the mountain like nobody else. I'll say so. I can see the time a-coming when it'll be the way a lot of them will make a living. Summer's guiding parties up the mountain. Can't you picture what it'd mean to the stores here? The grub they'd sell and the fishing tackle and all the camping equipment. You'll be organizing a chamber of commerce soon next, Aunt Hitty. Well, there should be some kind of headquarters where folks can get information about pack trains and such. Aunt Hitty, I never thought I'd hear you talk like this. You, who've always been so superstitious about that mountain. Well, then a body's only superstitious about things he don't understand, Elizabeth. Things that are so big he gets afraid of them. Whitney's still the biggest mountain in the United States, Aunt Hitty. But it's working for us now, instead of against us. Oh, dear, I only wish I could get to the top myself, but I do believe I'm a too old. I wouldn't be surprised if someday there'll be a road built at least part of the way up for all those automobiles that are coming along. Someday, aeroplanes will be flying over its summit, frightening the eagles. And we can look up from this garden and say to ourselves, it was us who did it. The folks of Lone Pine, we conquered the mountain. We conquered the mountain. That phrase would be a good title for a study of material progress in America. Americans like Gustav Marsh, men who see more than what is directly before their eyes, have always been somehow able to make their visions over into actuality, ahead of time and beyond expectation. Often, like Marsh, these men have needed the cooperation of their communities, and then they have pr proved their gift for firing people with some degree of their own enthusiasm. This is partly due to the kind of people they have had to deal with. Americans who are daring and venturesome, strong and hardworking, generous, and above all, community-minded. From such qualities come observatories and steel mills and laboratories and community chests ahead of time and ahead of the rest of the world. Now, 
Here is Gane Whitman speaking for DuPont. At the DuPont Company, we began to make sponges of cellulose a few years ago because we believe chemistry could do a better job of sponge making than nature. DuPont chemical sponges drink up plenty of water, live a long, hard life, observe many times of their dry weight and still float. Come in convenient shapes, stay clean, and can be boiled, if you like, for days without doing them harm. These many uses which manufacturers have found for DuPont sponges illustrate an even more important point of our American competitive system. Just give an American businessman something to work with. Set his imagination free. Give him a chance to make a fair profit. Turn him loose, and he'll do the rest. He'll come up with something of greater service to enough people so that they'll want it. DuPont cellulose sponges, depending on the size and texture, will sell from 20 cents to a dollar and a half. They are a product of chemical science, the chemistry that brings you the DuPont Company's better things for better living through chemistry. Thank you for tuning in to this special production of Man Against the Mountain, broadcast live from Lone Pine, California. We would like to introduce the IOU Theater cast, reading the parts of the announcer and Campbell and Louise, Jason Lozier. Shall say him. <laughs> Whitman and Tom, Jim Shawcross. As Gustav Marsh, Jesse Steele. Elizabeth Marsh, Jeannie Smith. Grumpy old Aunt Hitty, <laughs> Julie Folk. Oscar and Strange Voices, John Klusmeyer. Bert, Manuel Ruiz. Dr. Abbott, Deborah Levin. Our musicians, Victor Silvis on vocals, guitar and mandolin, and Sandy Anderson on vocals. Sound effects and Foley artists, Jude Greenberg and Drew Wickman. Music and sound effects director, Manuel Ruiz. Yeah, yeah, that's you. The director, you know her, you love her, Sandy Langley. <laughs> Producing this show, Rochelle Fab and the Metabolic Studio. And now we've got one more thing to do. Hit it! She'll be coming around the mountain when she comes.
nailed it, Joe. <laughs> Off air. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for coming. And let's hear one more time for the IOU Theater Players. You want to know more about the Metabolic Studio, the IOU Theater Players, and our upcoming shows this summer, we're about to get weird. <laughs> Next month, July 13th, no, yes, July 13th, at 7 p.m., we're going to be presenting our first Twilight Zone episode, 100 Yards Over the Rim, filmed in Olancha, California. Some of you may remember this episode, so please join us Sunday, July 13th. Pick up a program at the door, tip your bartender, and thank 